Hey, what's going on, guys? Nate here, back again with another episode of the Pokey Talk Podcast. I'm, of course, here with Philip once again. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? A lot of big news this past yeah. uh, episode. Yeah, so we actually had a topic kind of planned out, but with Worlds wrapping up, we decided to go with that. So this episode's going to be kind of takeaways from Worlds. Um, for people who don't know, Worlds was just held in London last weekend. And with that, we got some announcements on the TCG, the return of the EXs, a couple glimpses of those cards. And yeah, we're going to be talking all about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I also just wanted to say I got really lucky. Um and I won. I was one of the winners in the lottery for the Japanese Pokemon Center for a MS, MSRP EV Heroes box. Nice. Yeah, I just want to just want to brag about that a little bit because like it's for forty one bucks. I got it for. <laughs> well, and that that gives you some peace of mind too, being through the Pokemon Center because you know a lot of. A lot of those boxes I've heard there's some problems with people resealing them now and like rumors or I don't know how true it is, but some decently reliable sources were saying that um, they were kind of checking receipts at some TCG shops like local stores to see if they're shipping them overseas for marked up prices. So yeah, they're uh, seem to be cracking down and with that, there's a lot of fake boxes out there yeah TC- i actually want to say i yeah. i was charged i haven't received an email that i won yet but i was charged the full amount so i wouldn't be charged the full amount if i didn't win right yeah think? i don't think so it's just like i've been checking tenzo like every day and there hasn't been anything sent to tenzo uh regarding like hey we got a package for you pay your shipping blah 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 um so I assume I want it because I was charged to my bank account, and they wouldn't charge. Usually they take a hold, it's like a dollar, but they didn't do that. It was forty-one dollars. Hmm. So I'm like, I'm like ninety-nine percent sure I want it. So, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, what happens. yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah. yeah, that makes me kind of anxious now with uh, because eBay's where before I got my Tenzo account, that's where I bought most of my Japanese products. I just got sick and tired paying three times MSRP for booster bucks. Yeah, and it was T it was TCA Gaming that I was watching last week, and he actually got some uh, resealed boxes too. And it's kind of crazy. Like I was actually watching a stream. I think it was last Tuesday, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before. And uh, yeah, he had like forty plus packs where there's like no hollow or something. Well, did he buy individual packs or did he buy a booster box? No, it was Booster Box, and he's like, he's buying cases. And he got them from a store in Japan, but, um, you know, that store could have bought product off people, who knows. So, but yeah, if you're getting it through the Pokemon Center, then that's pretty much the most legit way. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, in other news, we, uh, of course, everyone's probably heard of the eBay acquisition of TCG Player. That's going to be the big talk of the news this time around. And there are pretty much all the leaks for Incandescent Arcana, which is a set coming out in Japan. It's going to be our Silver Tempest 
November set. And it's going to feature some cards that were cut from Lost Origin as well. And uh, first off, about Silver Tempest. It's apparently the return of Lugia. He's on the pack art. But guess who's on the ETB art? It's the Alolan Vulpix. <laughs> so what do you think of that? It's kind of an interesting choice. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. That was my first thought. Like, Usually they do a... Fully evolve, fully evolve Pokemon are like a legendary, right? Yeah, um, or like a cool Pokemon, which Alolan Vulpix yeah. is cool, but it's not what you think of being like a mascot for a product. No, no, it's. I thought it's kind of interesting, but that, what that says right there is their confidence in the markability of Alolan Vulpix. Uh, they're confident that a lot of people are like, oh, that's so cute, that's adorable, Alolan Vulpix, you know, like like a little. Uh-huh. little dog cat thing i mean it's a fox so i guess it's more of like a dog right but uh yeah yeah i guess they, they, they have confidence in the marketability of that pokemon and honestly i mean it's it's probably gonna sell i mean just like every other set the last two years yeah it it yeah it makes sense i'd like to see them do it more because i think it's cool you know equal representation mm-hmm. across all pokemon and uh yeah, it's just cool that they're changing it up a little bit. One thing that is weird that it's like a return of Lugia, and we're not seeing Lugia on the box, but it's yeah, be all art or something. Yeah, it's, just, art, it's like... just weird. Like Lugia seems to get the shaft. We haven't had like a Neo reprint while we have like twenty thousand Charizards. And you know that is upsetting because can you imagine a Neo Destiny, uh, some of the shiny reprints with Altars or some sort of modern variation? I think it could do a, an amazing, amazing job. And Neo is—it's not the forgotten stepchild of Watsy. I'm not going to say that. I would say that's probably your EX or not EX, but like your your Sandstorm or your. Uh, you know, your expedition, Sandstorm, I think it was after Watsy, wasn't it? But, uh, yeah, yeah, your expedition, your or Sandstorm yeah, was right after Watsy. Yeah, you got, you have your expedition, you have your Sky Ridge. I feel like those are kind of sometimes in terms of like what gets the most attention. Um, but you're right. Like Neo just gets kind of forgotten, honestly. And when it comes to these reprints, it's all yeah. about base set. Like, why didn't the celebration set have like Shining Gyarados or Lugia from the Neo sets, you know? Yeah, they went the Umbreon with the Gold Star, so I, I, I get that, I do, but they could have just gone with the Umbreon with the Neo or... Which Umbreon Gold Star, yeah, is cool, but that that was EX era, you know? Mm-hmm. It wasn't even yeah. Neo era technically, so... No, no, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, it would have been cool if they went with an Umbreon from the Neo era, but they they didn't even do that. Yeah, just some weird choices, and you know, when you have nearly a thousand Pokemon, you know, how are you going to choose? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all we wanted to say on that. Um, there is a very cool uh, Alakazam, a Radiant Alakazam, and this is my favorite of the Radiant cards by far. It looks really clean. I'm definitely going to have to pick that one up. And, uh, on a side note to that, if anyone knows the story behind Yuri Geller and the Kadabra and why Kadabra hasn't been printed in the TCG, um, there's some stuff out there that apparently he has been hinting that Kadabra is going to be printed. 
Um, so that's that's a little interesting. Yeah. I personally don't even, care for the guy. I think he just craves attention, and he's probably yeah. just saying that. <laughs> he's doing this because I'm sure Pokemon gave him a bunch of money, gave him a contract even. Like, if you let us print this card, we'll give you, like, a million dollars for the rest of your life or something like that. <laughs> You know, I'm I think sure it was. Like I think it was mostly him too, because like he. It was a I, copyright thing, is what it was. It was like uh, because they were using Kadabra, like that was a part of a shtick. And yeah, uh, but he like kind of made it a big deal, and then like nowadays he's like he came out and said he's like almost regretted that decision. So he's kind of had like so much backlash, and you know now Pokemon's bigger than ever. So I'm sure he wish he would have gotten that you know, recognition, but he probably, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt if there wasn't any communication between them at all. I'm sure Pokemon doesn't want to touch him with the 20 foot pole. And he probably no. just saw an Alakazam come out in, in Cadescent Arcana. And he's like, Hey, you know, look at me, get, get some attention over here. <laughs> so I would think, I wouldn't be surprised if it was something like that, Yeah, but He's always seemed to like kind of pop up in the spotlight here and there. Yeah, Kamiya has a card also in this set, and that's it's a very unique looking Jinx. Yeah, I saw that. Pretty cool. Very, yeah. It's like it's like what is it like? A, it's almost like a rip in time, almost, or I don't know. It's very trippy. The, the, uh, this one is, and he he has a few. He has several Jinx artwork, like three or four, I think, at least. He just gets stuck with that Pokemon, I guess. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, let's yeah. go ahead and check out the eBay news. This is our our big topic. So, yeah, pretty much eBay has acquired TCG Player. So, pretty nuts. What what you think? What's your first thought when you heard that news? Well, I think everybody's first thought was Monopoly. I think that was everybody's initial thoughts regarding it. And I figured they'd probably let them stay independent and without reading anything. Like, I, I heard the news before I read any sort of email or any sort of announcement. It was like just a headline, and that's that's all I saw before I, I dug into it. Um, but it does look like TC Play will remain independently of eBay. But there's they're going to obviously integrate some sort of eBay services or functionality, capabilities, whatever, into TCG Player. And yeah. honestly, I think I think that's good for TCG Player because there are a lot of things that maybe not want to use TCG Player, but there was also a lot of things that make TCG Player awesome. I feel like the people who like TCG Player, like they'll live and die on the TCG Player hill. There's like... a lot of... They, they just mean, say, go off TCG player prices, and you tell them, like, oh, how about eBay recent solds? And they're like, oh, no, I don't go by that. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I mean, you got to go by whichever platform you're buying from. And even if they are independent, which it looks like they will be, they still are going to be, obviously, equal but separate, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, obviously, the money is going to be going to the same place. However, depending... I think TCG players' fees are not too far off from eBay. It's like eBay's like 12.57% or something like that. I want to say 
TCG Player was just a little bit lower than that, but I've never sold on TCG Player. Um, I haven't looked at it of late. But one great thing that about TCG Player was you could order from 30 different sellers at a touch of a button. <laughs> I mean, technically, technically, you can do that with eBay, right? Yeah. But you can literally just go through like an entire set and like near me, add, 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 add. The only drawback with TCG Player doing that was you're kind of trusting their faith on near me. And while TCG Player has like a directory, a, a part what what's classified as near mint, I think we both can can agree that it's highly subjective <laughs> about what people consider near mint. Yeah, uh, all those sites like Trolling Toad. I mean, they've even like so much has to like updated their uh, standings. Like things could be near mint and straight up have like dings. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. They they reworded it. Mm-hmm. And like a PSA seven is technically, for example, is t- technically near mint, and that can have hollow scratches, that can have whitening on the corners. Um, I mean, it can have all of that and still be a seven and still be classified as near mint. I, I had I had an issue with um, uh, TCG player once buying a bunch of have Alexis, and uh, I went with near mint, and some of them were from some good places. One of them was Troll and Toad, and. Well, technically, they were considered near mint. They were on the cusp of being near mint because there was uh, dents, like and scr- and like noticeable scratching even on like the back yeah. of one of the Hevel X's I bought. I think I sent all of them, but like two back. It was the Hevel X. No, I, I, I can't remember which two I didn't send back, but it was two of them. I think it was a Darkrai one and. It was one other one. I want to say it was the Mewtwo that I didn't send back, but I would have to look at my collection. I haven't looked at my level X's in a while. So. Yeah. But, well, it doesn't matter which one it is, but the condition yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but anyways, the, the, the whole point was I was frustrated because then I had to initiate the whole process of sending everything back. And while it is easy, it is pretty seamless, it's still frustrating to, like, for example, you used to drop 500 bucks and... You get you get everything, and you're sending back four hundred dollars worth worth of cards. Yeah, yeah, it is frustrating. When I build sets, like that's pretty much the only time I'm on there, and I'll try to do like mint or near mint, but I only do like near mint on like the uncommons and commons, non hollows yeah. or stuff like that. And those and those are pretty good, but if you ever do, don't ever ever buy near mint from Troll and Toad, any of those places, without being able to see the photo. That was the lesson I learned. And going forth, I'm willing to spend an extra 10% on or whatever I might have to spend on eBay just to get the better quality card. Obviously, it will incorporate more time. But, you know, getting back to, to the actual center of, of the discussion, I feel like we got a little sidetracked there. But uh, um, I do think, as a whole, this is great for TCG players. Some of the, th- some of the things that they do amazing is including the market price of a card and being able to gauge accordingly the, not only the value of your collection, but what to expect when you're attempting to sell your products mm-hmm. or your cards. And I think that is an amazing function that a lot of people, as you mentioned, even within the hobby, live and die by when, value, when evaluating the market price of a card. And I think that's something that eBay could even incorporate potentially into their user interface that would add a increased layer of 
knowledge of understanding of the civic cards within the hobby, especially when you're, you have no idea and you're trying to research the cards you have and gauge the value. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. Yeah. They got some good stuff on there. Hopefully, you know, they merge and they introduce some things like that are good on eBay, like the, uh, eBay, envelope or certified envelope i can't remember what it's called but it's a really cheap way to you know ship stuff and uh yeah i'm sure that's what they'll do just incorporate the best of both worlds um because you know things are going to change even though they say they're not um there will be when there's Yeah. yeah when there's giant increases in the market and giant declines in the market a lot of things shift around and uh you know just think of it this way it's like it's a no brain play. A lot of people just say, you know, they just see the money and then they're like, Oh wow, it's going to take them a long time to make that back. You know, I'm sure TCG players profitable, how profitable, how many years will it take to get it back? But there's like just so much more to that. Like, you know, eBay has like a, you know, their HR department, TCG player has an HR department. They can combine those, you know, maybe trim down, combine under one. There's, uh, entire HR department shaved off the value of the new company. So it's stuff like that that really makes a difference. So, I mean, I'd hate to, you know, see the insides of the companies, but I'm sure, you know, maybe people's jobs might get shifted around. They're going to consolidate a lot of stuff where they can, such as, like, oversight departments or the managerial areas. You know, you don't really need a big wig of both companies you maybe have a big wig of both companies departments you know many layers but yeah stuff like stuff like that is going to be really trimmed down incorporate maybe the same company policy they just get really good value out the gate you know they might they may have paid what was it 300 million or something like 297 or something like that yeah it was basically it was essentially 300 million yeah, they they probably bought three hundred million and stuff. They trimmed down. They could trim it down fifty million pretty easily, cutting off the excess stuff they don't need. So yeah, overall, like business standpoint, it's a. I don't see them downsizing that much though. But I don't see them downsizing that much. Essentially, yeah, they can integrate certain services, but you're also expanding services, so you need. I don't mean like downsizing like services. I just mean like no, downsizing no, no, people, people workers, unnecessary right? things. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think in, that happens a little bit. Like it, like there's more integration, but like I, I expect one of the first things that they'll integrate is, um, forcing photos for every sort of at least every sort of hollow, maybe every sort of sale. Uh, that's something that could increase. Um, sales because a lot of it a lot of there's a lot of instances where i think there's sellers or what have you a tcg player where they don't fully realize the value of their cards and and sell these cards because there's no photos to who go off they don't these sellers are a a lot of these sellers in tcg player yeah there's big car shops but there's also a lot of these people that you know i don't know living in their mom's basement or something and and like they they're, they're just they don't feel like doing anything they they just like oh I, I got this card it's near mint blah 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 you know buy for me and yeah they're rated low right on on tcg player or whatever but ultimately 
people do buy those cards and it adds to frustration within those uh within th that site and with and with within that use and i think one of the easiest things to enhance sales and integration and user interface um user experience satisfaction is including photos and even honestly let's be honest the tcg player site could use a facelift yeah I think the photo thing would need like a culture change. Like, I don't think they could force it. You know, people could upload just the shitty photos on eBay if they wanted to, but it's kind of the eBay culture where like the more photos you have, the better. Like with eBay, it's like honesty goes a long way. If you're really honest and include the photos, people will buy all ranges of cards and they're just wanting to find what they're looking for. So if you label it, highly played there's plenty of people looking for highly played cards because they can't afford the other ones yeah and what really shines on ebay is like people have just been in this mindset to just show as many photos and angles as possible so mm -hmm. i think it'd it have to be like a culture change you know not yeah, like that'll happen well I think there's ways to also make it to where I don't I don't want to say make it difficult to sell because it's not hard at all to get an account on eBay and start selling. In fact, it's very easy. But I do think that being too lazy to even post your photos of the products you're trying to sell. I mean, lazy sellers are usually just bad for business. They're not bad for business, but they don't exactly enhance your, your profit as well as it, it could. And I think having some sort of um what's the word i'm looking for some sort of um bare minimum to include certain aspects of a product a card whatever yeah onto a selling site must be must be made more so than what tcg players doing because maybe you've got to have a photo you can't you can't yeah. you can't post it without it and I think that's that's an easy, easy change, an easy fix on TCG photo. Yeah, you got stock photo. Even that's fine. But like, if you're gonna, or even like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna try to classify it as near mint, even like, you, you gotta have a photo to show that at least front and back. Yeah, maybe they'll integrate some like uh, you know, of their feedback system. So maybe mm -hmm. that's some way they can address it. Is really yeah. crack down and make those accounts doing the work shine. Yeah. But, yeah, gonna be pretty interesting, and uh, I'm sure we won't hear much about it. You know, on the surface level, it's gonna still look the same, but there's gonna be a lot of inner workings. And uh, you know, eBay's working on a uh, eBay Live thing, kind of type, type of like a whatnot type thing. Yeah. So, yeah, just yeah, lots think... of changes, and they got the vault coming. All these companies mm -hmm. have a vault yep. and like a live selling block, and. I, yeah, I think eBay was looking at what was going on in 2020 with not just the TCG, like with Pokemon, but with sports and cards in general as a whole. And they're taking, they're, I mean, they, they could easily see what certain products are being sold that fall, or fall into certain categories. And I, I have no doubt in my mind that when they're looking at their sales from 2019 and 2020, 2021, they're seeing some of the profit, profit increases or, the, or how much significantly it has increased between those years they're probably taking a, they're taking a look at this and they're like wow yeah. we are seeing we are seeing something that is untapped by a lot of other businesses we are seeing something that could be our 
cash cow, our bread and butter. And, I mean, for me, I've always used cards and coins for eBay. Always th- those two things. Yeah. I feel like they're the most aggressive in, like, making moves and for the mm-hmm. future. Yep. And, uh, yeah, my biggest takeaway from this, you know, when you see $300 million moves in the TCG, you know, hobby, it's got to make you feel good for the hobby, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means a, I'm going to say, that means a Fortune 500 company and eBay sees the writing on the wall. They see how the how many people are passionate about this sort of thing, and they're not let us slip through the fingers. And the only reason why eBay would, would see that is because of people like you, me, and everybody else in this hobby is pushing the hobby forward with the way people are involved in buying and consuming the products. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Going to be pretty crazy. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah, I guess with that, we should hop into the main topic, though. Let's um, do it. More going to be, like, opinion-based and, like, uh, I don't know what you what you say, like, optimistic-based opinions, because there's not really too much to cover, but, so this might be a little shorter one, but you know what it always happens. <laughs> so, Two hours later. <laughs> so, yeah, essentially, the only things I wanted to touch on was, of course, Worlds. Um, they did announce the next location for Worlds 2023. We are mm-hmm. finally going to Japan. First so, time ever. Yeah, I think with London, you know, was originally planning on being 2020. They saw the hobby uptick already, and I think it was their plan to really expand. And now with London in the books, they're just really wanting to go for it. And I think from here on out, it's just going to be, you know, all over the place. We might see like a handful, like five countries kind of be in the mix, like UK, Japan, US, and some other popular places. But I think it's probably going to be four or five year cycle before you know, it comes back to the same place, you know, twice. Well, and if you look at it, I was, whenever they announced the Yokohama location for, for the next Worlds, I figured, like, we, we, we both uh, understand, we, we both say, like, how much uh, Japan favors usually their own country when it comes to this sort of thing, when it comes to their own products and marketing and all that. However, I was very surprised to see, if you look at, where the world's location has been, it is dominated by America in terms of locations. In fact, there's only two locations. Pretty much all, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you got basically London and you got Canada there in 2013. So I think they're probably not going to come be coming back to America for a few years. I mean, yeah, and like even Hawaii a couple times, which that's kind of close to Japan, but there's a lot of water between them. Well, and everything's expensive, you know, $10 for, a, uh, you know, a gallon of milk or whatever. So, I mean, it's expensive to fly out there for anybody. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to, yeah, you know, I think London, Japan, there may be like another European country in there somewhere. I would like to see Spain. This I was literally generation. thinking Spain. <laughs> and I, I was surprised that they... You know, almost didn't pick Spain because yeah. of the uh, new games. That's kind of their theme, I think. So a lot of people were wondering about that. 
Well, I guess it kind of makes sense still for Japan, right? You, you take a look at its history, and it's not once ever been in Japan. And it makes sense to go back to home, quote-unquote, or where it all started for Pokemon. And I think that's fair. I, th- I would like to see Spain, though, or Portugal or wherever the following year, though, is what I would like to see. Um, we're, we're kind of doing three to four year rotations, it seems like, when it comes to generations. So they only have, what, two more, you know, three more at most when it comes to between eras. So, Yeah, and they might be going for just like three quadrants of the map. You know, they have the U.S. or North America. Then they have kind of in the middle with the U.K. or some European country. And then they have Japan. Yeah. So they could be thinking like that, you know, for travel-wise. You know, it's a lot of travel either way, but, you know, they could do kind of an Asian area, a European area, and a North American area. And then the only, you know, areas you're missing is like South America or Africa. But, you know, most of their player base is the U.S. and then Japan is second behind. So, yeah, yeah more more focus on those areas for sure. But... Yeah, so it's going to be in Japan. It's going to be really cool. I think they're going to go go? all out. (laughs) Do what? Would you like to go? (laughs) I would. I know. I I potentially could go uh, next year. The only issue is I don't think my girlfriend would be happy if I went without her to (laughs) on an international flight, especially to Japan. Uh, Japan is on my bucket list of places to go 100%. Yeah, but, uh, it's it like was... it's like my number one, and I'm gonna go yeah. someday. But and I already mentioned to her about going. She's like, "Well, we can't travel with a you know two year old at that point and all that that long of a flight." So no I, way. I'd probably wait until at the little one. Years, probably. Yeah, the little yeah. one would be able to enjoy it too. Yeah, just and imagine. Also, if if What's that? I would say if you're if you're shelling out that sort of money, you want the the kid to be able to re- re- remember it. Yeah, I'm not gonna do all that for her not to remember a single thing. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I think that that's just kind of dumb. But yeah, maybe at least five years out, but probably more like ten or more where mm-hmm. they can really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, I just imagine like just imagine if. You know, she's in high school, and she could tell her friends she's going to Japan. Yeah. Like, that'd be the dream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Japan, the biggest issue is, uh, I mean, I would I would have to, I need to do, put a lot more research into some of the cultural expectations and how some of the things are just our day-to-day life by, you know, when traveling the, the country. But it's such a far afterthought from where I am. It's going to be a little bit before I can go. Maybe within the next five years, maybe. But I I follow multiple YouTube channels that have like given up. One guy's from the UK and he's living in Japan and he like vlogs yeah. it. Like if things went down and like I had like no family here, I would straight up move to Japan pretty easily. I would think. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, the the culture there, like, it's just my style, just the way they handle things and just the way the country is as a whole. I kind of hate 
you know, living where I live sometimes because of all that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely a dream spot. And uh, something changes, we'll let you all know. So. <laughs> but, yeah, other than that, um, the biggest things that I wanted to mention, too, is just the overall system or how they broadcasted the event and what we saw and yeah. uh, a little background to my TCG history because it's kind of sparked that again. I'm kind of flirting with getting back into the TCG, maybe not in person, but the online game. And, uh, of course, I mean, the uh, Return of the EXs, we got to talk about those. I was going to say, there's really no areas you can really go. If you want to do it in person, you would have to go to a larger city. They have some events town. here at our card yeah. shops, but yeah, there's it's not too many, and most people just go like two weekends in a row for each pre-release weekend, and then that's about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I uh, I was watching the TCG. First off, I I bought a Switch, and I've been getting into the games again, um, preparing for Scarlet and Violet. I'm trying to. You. What's that? But not Sword Shield. <laughs> I, I am playing through Sword right now because I never oh, have. Man. I hated you one it. shot and everything. Trying, I'm catching everything because I want to complete the Pokédex. That's the only reason I'm playing it because I have a complete living decks all the way up until Sun and Moon. So I'd like to play through Sword and catch everything, and then play through Arceus before the Scarlet Violet comes out. So I mean, you're running out of time. You got three months. <laughs> yeah, you got less than three months. I'll beat them before then, but I don't know if yeah. I'll catch everything or train everything. Yeah, I used to be really into the uh, online battling, even more so than collecting or Pokemon Go. I would say, like every game that would come out, I'd get into the online battles up until like you know, Sun and Moon came out. Then it kind of Lost its sparkle, but uh, I'd like to get back into that. I played a little bit of the TCG. Me and a buddy in 2012 actually went to a state tournament in Kansas City for Missouri um, just because we thought it'd be fun. <laughs> so we actually went to the state. It was at Collector's Cash headquarters, and that was pretty fun. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to get back into it. It's actually a fun card game it's a little more simple than like magic but uh you know that's another talking point the return of the EXs has really got me hyped for that as well because there's a lot a lot of different mechanics that are going to come back into play they evolve from pokemon rather than the like black and white EXs so that opens up a lot more possibilities for decks people have to build their deck around evolving the pokemon and yeah, a lot of things are getting spiced up, for sure. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like how they're kind of integrating several eras with this EX style as well. Um, they're integrating the Ruby Sapphire, but they're also they have some things where it kind of make you believe they're also pulling from the most recent EX era uh, from like XY. Mm -hmm. It seems like they're doing a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, incorporating the different stages of the EX and having evolutions needed for the Pokemon, I think is really interesting. It kind of feels like it's going back to its roots a little bit. 
Like, you're actually playing the game where you have to evolve to that Pokemon, and I think that adds a lot of layers of complexity and strategy going forward within the the TCG. I never actually have sat down to play it. I tried to play TCG way back when, whenever I was a kid, but it was like we did our own way of playing, if that makes sense. We basically had however many cars you're supposed to play and it was and you you know you're supposed to flip a coin or whatever and if an attack hit or miss and we played a little bit but i mean that's the that's the biggest downside with the tcg and pokemon it's like a lot of coin flipping Mm -hmm. and that is the biggest complaint if there was some other system besides the coin flip or so much relying on the coin flip like if you're paralyzed or not and stuff like that it'd be a lot more intricate or fun but dice probably make more sense but then it adds yeah but then it becomes starts becoming more similar to or you know more complex to other strategy games other card tcg games but i think it might be the coin flip because it's easy it's easy for younger people to deal with maybe is my guess yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's simple. They want to keep it simple. And it's a nice mechanic, but, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're literally coming down to a 50-50 chance on a lot of games. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of playing games and then, like, leaving things down to chance. I like to, you know, fully flesh out a game. And, you know, what happens is my actions so if you're like super competitive, I feel like Pokemon isn't, you know, the perfect card game. <laughs> but, you know, obviously it's still thriving as a super competitive game. And, uh, yeah, that's what I saw with Worlds. I, I watched a lot of it. There were some exciting games. Mew, Palkia, and um, Arceus seem to be the best decks I think there was only one Mew deck in the top eight, and it got eliminated. But uh, Palkia and Arceus were really strong throughout the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, I have went through and opened all my code cards that I've been hoarding on the TCG online. And I bought, or I didn't buy, I guess you play five games and you get a theme deck unlocked. And I've been... Um, playing with that theme deck and adding in cards that I got to make it a little better. You have to kind of buy a lot of stuff to like make a good deck, but it's it's really fun like starting from the basics and uh, going from there. Yeah, you know, looking at these EX cards, and one thing that I like about them, we've complained, or I guess we've stated how we've been frustrated by the quality um, of the Western product compared to the Japanese product. And it's too early to tell just from these reveals. But one thing that stands out to me with these EX cards is not only the silver border, but you also get like the another layer of like hollow foil when it comes to these stars, like these these sparkles. Something that you see in a lot of the Japanese cards, something that like just pops at you. And I wonder with this nice silver border, is that going to be true for all EXs? Is that going to be the new legendary 
border that we're going to see or just EX border. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to see how they incorporate this style into the design of these cards because let's face it a lot of the v's were hard to look at sometimes it was they were just all the same um the i mean i can say right now that i prefer even the the previous ex era with um xy i prefer those cards than almost every single v that has came out yeah there's some about them the design is is really good and yeah. I, I think these new ones are a very nice combination. So, you know, you had the Level X cards. You've yep. had the Gold Star cards that kind of popped off the border. These pop off the border, and they remind me of the Level Xs. And yep. they also remind me of the uh, Black White EX cards. Whereas, you know, they kind of, you know, they not only pop off, but they kind of have the artwork and even more pop off the border. And then on top of that, one thing we had with those cards is like a not transparent area with the attacks. But on these, it's actually transparent where you can see the artwork. So it's almost like it's a full art card as well. But they didn't overdo it. They still kind of covered it with the attacks. They just made them a little transparent. And I just think that's a really nice touch. And I'm really interested to see how they use this style and they incorporate it with their secret rares or whatever they have above EX uh, in this this upcoming TCG format. I'm interested to see how they are going to incorporate these alt-art styles. So you kind of, it feels like you got like a, li- a, li- a little bit from a lot of different eras with these cars, and I really like that. They're incorporating kind of some of the better aspects of several generations of TCG styles, and I think that is great for not just TCG enthusiasts, but collectors. It has strategy for, for your TCG players, it has collectability to your collectors, and I think everybody wins, honestly. I, I, I really do. This is a style where I think everybody wins. It's not it's something where they can improve on the VMAX and then hopefully get rid of the god-awful Rainbow Raiders. <laughs> yeah, and, I, that's what I hope it is, and I almost see it that way. This is almost like a reset. You know, yeah. they're going back to the EXs. They're not going over the top. They're going back to the EXs. They're keeping the artwork, you know, kind of going back to black and white. And then hopefully we'll have some alt arts and then they don't go too crazy with it. Yeah, um, so well, that's well, what I'm about. Is, well, this is what you're going to hate is that the new VMAX is the terrorization process. So you're going to have, where's the uh, where's the EV with the top crown that they have on this this page? Where's he at? Where's he at? There he is. EV with... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say uh, something about that too. Hopefully uh, that's just ignored and they're just, they realize that it might not look cool on cards and they don't bring that over. It's the, uh, it's the Eevee has a ring pop. It's like a diamond ring slash ring pop on its head. But you know what? I, I will refrain from judgment until I see how they incorporate <laughs> it into the cards. I, I think it could look cool. 
Potentially. Um, depending on how, how they do it, I think it's got to look more like, so like the v, the V's and D-Max look like something somebody made in, I don't know, this fooling around in Adobe Notepad sometimes, or like rendering a 3D image. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes with the V cards anyways? So uh, we already... Well, a little bit, but I feel like, you know, if that, is Adobe. I feel like these things on these Pokemon's heads are like paint, you know, <laughs> it's just bad. It's like they took like a, a stock paint insert image, like of a ring pop or like a diamond. And then they just like put texture on it, made it look sparkly with modern graphics. I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's just it's so weird. Say. There's some, I, you know, I think there's some that can roll with it, and I think if they make it to where, so, you know, Eevee's probably going to get one, but I think there's a lot of, they can do a, a, a lot with that, and the fact that they can also, this sterilization process can change typing as well, so in addition to everything we, we, we've said, with the kind of the homages of different eras and pulling the good aspects from several different eras, I think it can be really interesting how they can incorporate this change of typing into these sterilization process cards. They can really, like, here's some of the combinations they could do. They, they could do, like, some sort of alt art with this sterilization process to where it looks like the Eevee with the ring pop is going through, I don't know, some sort of, I don't know. They have a uh, diamond diamond cave. I I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> see, it just doesn't uh, even make sense. I think I think they're just gonna ignore it, but we'll see. You should have put a ring on it, you know. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that, they, they the, did. That's for sure. That was the song. Giant that was one. To my mind. Yeah, that was that's the song <laughs> that was coming to my mind whenever I saw the uh, the Eevee. <laughs> the magic has uh, this mechanic called transform, where like. You know, it has an ability or something where, like, if it was in Pokemon, it'd be like if two Pokemon went to, or if two Pokemon got knocked out this turn, transform this Pokemon, and you would take the card out of the sleeve and flip it over, and then there's his transform version on it. So they could even implement something like that. So that that's like a transform mechanic in Magic. Yeah. Or, like, they'll have, like... You know, there's been sets with, like, vampires or werewolves where, like, it'll be a normal human, but if something died on the battlefield this turn, transform it, and then it turns into a vampire or something like that, there's, like, a trigger of it. So they could implement yeah. it that way, but I just hope we don't see it on the cards. I'm sure we will somehow, but I don't know. I think, well, they've, they're already doing, like, kind of like VD Max alt arts in, in some ways. So it's like you can even do an EX alt art, like a, uh, like a Kuraidon or for or Mukuraidon EX alt art, because they've already done that with the alt art Vs. So that opens the door for them to naturally be able to do these alt art EXs, in addition to be able to have this uh, parallelization process and everything else. So... I mean, but one thing I'm kind of curious with is I assume this means the end of the V-Star area era. Is that is that kind of what this means? Are they going to still incorporate V-Stars through? Yeah, through I would think. I mean, maybe they, it, maybe they still do V-Stars and they just have EX and V-Stars, but 
Yeah, I would think they would just end the V Star. And to be, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of what I would think, which is kind of interesting uh, in terms of the V Stars' potential collectability, because that means the V Stars, while they had had like a whole year print run, more or less, if that is the case, it's kind of interesting because it'll kind of be like a snapshot in time when it comes to dissecting the eras of the Pokemon TCG. And I, I just have been hypothesizing what some of that collectability could mean down the road and in the future, if it means really anything significant. Um, it's just going to be one, like a category. Like that's that's what yeah. the primes, the level X's, yeah, yeah. and the old EXs yeah. have become. You know, it's just going to be a a certain period, like you said, but. They'll just be categorized in their own thing and nothing really crazy. Well, another thing I want to mention, I kind of briefly touched up on it, but do we think that the Japanese company or the uh, that like the Japanese part of the, the Pokemon market or whatever is considering its Western audiences when looking at this quality of the foil? Like, do do we think that they're giving us more? Or is this just yeah. the style? Like, you know, I, I've kind of been wondering if they're starting to understand a little bit more of who their consumer base is. And obviously, they're always going to give um, the the Japanese consumers a lot of great cars and great products. They're always going to do that. But they're also good. But they're also it seems like they're increasing the products that they give Western audience as well. And I wonder if this, with this, with this launch of this new era, if they're also kind of incorporating that some of that aesthetics you see with the Japanese foil and print and design of the cards, because if they are, I mean these these modern modern cards could be ultra modern cards since they're obviously in print are going to be really interesting to consider as potential collectability and how the community views them as a whole because of that. Yeah, I I really like them. Um, I just like it all over. You know, when I played in that 2012 state, the EXs, the Mewtwo EX had just came out. And, yeah, it was just crazy that the EXs came back at all, even though it wasn't anything like the old ones. So I'm kind of nostalgic for these. And then on top of that, the artwork wasn't too over the top. And then, yeah, you have that hollow pattern. It reminds, like, it's got the star hollow pattern of, like, the Japanese promos. So Yeah, exactly. It, exactly. Yeah, it just seems like they're showing the quality. Like, why would they show that hollow pattern? Like, they just straight up essentially are showing off the hollow pattern in the videos they showed. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting what they mean by that. It Which, could just be the Japanese card that they just put into English because, yeah. you know, they're at Worlds and they want to show it off. And maybe that's the only thing they designed since they designed Japanese first. So that could, you know, be all it is. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully we see it. You know, I'm sure yeah. this whole card is going to change by the time it comes out. You know, we don't even have the typing. We don't even have the HP, weakness, resistance, retreat or anything. No, so I'm gonna say you know they're uh, they've only shown like what eight Pokemon so far for this generation, something like that. 
Yeah, I know. I've been, I've been seeing a little bit of what some of the circulating theories are amongst some of the Pokemon enthusiasts on online. Are they're saying potentially these two might be something to evolve into, or you use these to evolve into another Pokemon? Yeah, and there was that, a uh, there was a, a Pokemon reveal that was uh, Silzar or something like that. Yeah, some sort of salamander. So that's probably what they were referring to. It's like a salamander, and it looks like he has like a wheel shape on his chest, and his his typing is dragon normal. And a lot of people think like he can evolve into either one of these legendaries, which makes sense because they're you know salamanders. So I almost think like, yeah, this Pokemon can evolve into either one of the legendaries. Because it, it looks just like him. It looks like a evolution. So that's probably what you're hearing with that. But Well, and what's interesting with that is this is only the second time they've done that with Pokemon, with Metal being the first, correct? Any sort of legendary evolution. So they're they're starting to go back and revisiting the subject because it really adds another layer of complexity. Yeah. Like, it gives you a lot of variety. There's others, but not much. Like, Sun and Moon had... Uh, you know, had that. I forgot what they're even called. One of the. See, I thought I thought my metal was the first. I guess I'm mistaken. Niantic lied to me. <laughs> Maybe the first for Pokemon Go. But... Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but I, I, don't know. I thought perhaps I misread something, but that's whenever Mel Metal dropped. Uh, that's what I thought I was reading, but maybe it was first evolution for I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to think of others, but um, it was Cosmog. So Cosmog evolves into a middle evolution, and then that middle evolution can evolve into Solgaleo or Lunala, whichever legendary game you pick. Oh, okay. So it's kind of the same thing, but other than that, I'm trying to think. Maybe it's just blank in my mind, but I guess technically, well, no. I was trying to think of the Regis, but they don't really combine to evolve into Regigigas. It's just kind oh, of. Oh, see, a... it's. I would say it's Gen 7. I am not very familiar with Gen 7 or 8 for that matter. I mean, I'm a little bit of Gen 8, but not, not too much. Um, like up until Gen 6 is really where some of my knowledge kind of wanes Yeah. with some of the Pokemon after. Gen six, but um, what else? Was Either way, it's cool. I I would think like you know since they said you get the legendaries and they're going to be your companion for the whole game, I wonder if you get like the evolution, like the little guy, and he kind of follows you and helps you around, and then when you unlock things, like he evolves and helps you out even more. Like I feel like that would be a good storyline. Like you're kind of connecting with them and whatnot, all the sappy mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, but we did get a Mimikyu, Lucario, and uh, Magnazone reveal too. Yeah, and there's different. That's where they incorporated the different stages. Well, where is that link yet that I had? Yeah, they're showing that yeah. it can be any stage. So it could be a weaker basic Pokemon. It could be a stronger stage two. The uh, Magnazone artwork is really cool. They're all kind of popping off the card border. 
and Magnazone has like texture underneath him, um, you know, in that transparent area. So yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really excited. I I honestly, even if I don't collect as much modern, like I'm pretty excited to like play some TCG. Like I kind of want to go buy like the theme decks when they come out and even just to like, you know, shoot some games or something like that. Not even really put much time into it. Just kind of get back in in a way. Because I've almost had this thought to like go back and make my old deck from 2012 and make a couple more decks from like the eras that I've played in just to have. I think that would be kind of cool just to kind of uh, whenever you want to play a certain era, you know, pick up a couple decks and play with a buddy or something. Yep. But uh, I don't know. I have. I just don't really have a desire to play it. <laughs> we'll have to get. We'll have to get some theme decks and uh, we'll play sometime. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, maybe this parts may may look fun, but other parts I just. I, don't know, I just don't really have desire. But you've never really but, been in the card games in general. No, you? no, no. I haven't. I mean, obviously, well, I'm in Yu-Gi-Oh, but that's about where it begins and ends. Honestly, I love them. I I love Magic. I have like 15 decks. I don't really make any new decks because I don't really keep up with it. And it's kind of a money grab in the Magic world now. But uh, yeah, it'd be cool to have the same thing for Pokemon. Have like, I don't know, four decks for each era. And uh, like, you know, just pick up a deck and play whenever. But Yeah. yeah. Anything else you wanted to touch on? I mean, yeah, there was one more thing that uh, we haven't said yet, and that was um, how Pokemon really integrated every aspect of their competitive community. I thought that was really interesting, yeah. and it, they really did a good job of marketing and reaching their consumer base in every facet within the competitive community, TCG, Pokemon Unite, Pokemon Go. I mean, they really went, they really hit the ball out of the park. They, I felt like they had to deliver in a lot of ways, but they didn't have to deliver, right? But I felt like they needed to deliver after several years of there being no worlds and everybody being able to come together for the first time. And the Pokemon base being larger than it's ever ever happened. Yeah. And I think they did a really good job. They they've really made it to where with Twitch, at least with Pokemon Go, you could get several code links for some items. Um, they made it to where there's live Twitch streams to obviously watch the event itself. They've really made it like how so like you know how football has like the draft and MLB now has kind of like the draft, the All Star Weekend and and all that in one go mm-hmm. Pokemon is doing the same thing to promote itself and its brand. And I think that's great for the hobby. And I think it's great for Pokemon going forward because it's going to become, it can really make it to where it becomes a celebration of not just these winners and these competitive people who love Pokemon, but really the Pokemon IP in, in general. And I think that's great for those who are passionate about this hobby and about this IP like we are. 
Yeah, it's it's really good. Um, I had multiple friends who tuned into the live stream who didn't really know it was happening. Um, I'm not sure how you could really market stuff like that. Maybe like run TV commercials or something, but you know, or yeah. maybe like a a YouTube ad. That that'd probably be the main thing is like run YouTube ads for the worlds just to get people to yeah. tune into your channel or your live stream. Because your parents, maybe some other ways for. I mean, yeah, YouTube is good for when it comes to trying to reach kids as well. But I mean, you're not going to be trying to like advertise on Direct TV, you know, or like yeah. try try to go through through that route. You're going to be marketing where you know you're going to people are going to be seeing it. Potential people that might be interested, fringe fringe individuals within within the hobby or within other aspects that are kind of similar with the games or or whatever like that's the people you're trying to reach to gain towards your 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 brand and when you're trying to to become bigger and bigger than what you already are and expand then marketing for marketing that way is a fantastic way and having it to where it becomes an annual event where you, you do it like that consistently year in, year out, I mean, eventually it's just going to become a huge celebratory event for Pokemon itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did a good job on, you know, they had a Pokemon Go event. And, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, all the streams, they, they had four streams going, I think. Um, one for Pokemon Tournament, one for Pokemon Go. They had a you know, Pokemon Go tournament. This was like the first time I think they had a Pokemon Go incorporated into Worlds. Yeah, Worlds um, in the past was done at the Go Fest, but since there hasn't been a, there wasn't a Go Fest. This was the this past one of the first one in three years. Uh, they made it to where this Worlds is, or this Pokemon Go championships was a part of Worlds. Yeah, and I think that was also trying to advertise the Pokemon Go brand as well. Yeah, they feel like it needed more advertising, and and then get, giving it such a platform is trying to draw more interest. Because Pokemon Go has been trying to push that for um, PvP competitively now for quite some time, and I, I mean, I participated in it. I played in several massive tournaments. I, I, you know, I had mixed results. Um, some of the losses being very frustrating, going by uh, charge move priority ties and. I've lost certain t- title matches because of that, and it really, really angered me. <laughs> like, I guess it's too, too competitive, honestly, that I lose because of what's essentially a tie. Um, and, yeah, I, I lost several title rounds because of that, and that really, really ang- angered yeah. me. And and then there's other ways, I, and there are things I don't like, is how it's specific IVs. You're not getting the best IVs. You're getting specific IVs to exploit um, the way the arbitrary CP cutoffs are made mm-hmm. that I, I, ha- I have issues with. And, I mean, there's also aspects of scanners that you can use, and I've used ma- maps within Pokemon Go firsthand. The only, only issue I have with that is I never really cared so much, but when it comes to this competitive gameplay in certain areas, you're able to track down the perfect IV Pokemon for PvP. And when it gets to that high of a competitive level, that absolutely makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And I was frustrated because unless you have everybody that can exploit that and have those sort of Pokemon, it gives you an unfair competitive advantage. It's really 
comparable to, for example, using PEDs in baseball, as far as I'm concerned. And this in this context, I, I'm not saying it. You're, you're, you're like you cheat if you use maps. I'm not saying that because, again, I said I've, I've used maps before within the game. Uh, that's not the issue I have. The issue I have is you're able to exploit this for your own benefit and be able to use it for your own gain and win competitively. Either everybody can use it or nobody can. That's my issue. It's kind of like what's the what's the thing that you have with uh, competitive gameplay that is considered cheating? Is it uh, trading Pokemon to your account or something like that? Uh, that's like banned. And yeah, for like the Game Boy games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like hacking and hacked Pokemon. Yeah. So. Yeah, people literally I, just create like perfect Pokemon. Yeah, the the problem is there's no way to prove it how you caught it. I mean, even if you say even if you did catch that mon, I mean, you could say I was in the area or something. You know, there, there's there's no way to prove it. But anyways, that's my whole issue with Pokemon Go. And then a lot of it is indicative of uh, your network and your phone, whether or not. I mean, if you, if you get get this a half second of lag, that, that that's all it is. You've lost the, the match. And yeah. generally, in a best of three format, the better player would win. But not necessarily. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I think it's great though for for the hobby and for Pokemon Go and everybody that's truly passionate about PvP. But uh, yeah, it, it's cool and it's like a side thing. But yeah, I remember you getting pretty into it when it released and had local leagues and stuff like that or local cups. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, even at release, like I was never excited for that because I kind of saw that. But I only saw that because I was used to like the actual handheld games competitiveness. A lot more complex on there. And yeah, it's not, you know, it's not just tapping and trying to get your moves off in the most efficient way possible. Yeah. I mean, that's that's another thing. And it's, it's the best of three. And while, I mean, there is definitely, I'm not saying there isn't skill involved, because I do believe there is. It's just, it's it's not for me. I'll just say that. Like, I, I've thought about going back to it, but I feel like I'm so far removed. It's like, it'll be like starting from scratch again. I just don't have, have the passion for it. Yeah. I feel like with that, with the amount of skill involved with competitive Go, um... Like, yeah, there's skill there, but the, I know it's hard to explain, like, what it is, it doesn't really match the skill level. Like, the skill level compared to, like, other, like, TCG and Pokin and um, video game competitiveness, like, the skill level is pretty, you know, mild compared to those, but also, like, it would be fine if it was... You know, you didn't have all those other problems. Like, you can't have that super competitive game when you rely on stuff like that, like charge move, ties, or priorities. It just makes for, like, I don't know, kind of like the same thing I was talking about with the Pokemon TCG, the only downside being a coin flip. It's like, yeah, it's really cool, but, like, the only downside is, like, something very dumb. (laughs) So... It's just kind of one of those things. Yeah, I'm going to say, fun story of uh, one of the first Mega tournaments I participated in 
when PvP came a thing in, in Chicago. Uh, this was in twenty uh, was twenty nineteen, I think. Um, so I was up for about twenty three hours straight <laughs> at, at whenever this whenever this tournament began, um, or something like that. No, it was like I got like four hours of sleep. We got up at five a.m. to do some Wahafu raids in Chicago. Um, did like sixty raids in a few hours. This was before like invite raids, so you had to do everything in person. What was so the we, uh, we had, what was the raid boss then? Casalia. <laughs> yeah, it's Casalia. I got a. Uh, I did get a perfect, <laughs> and I got like a ninety-eight shiny. But it was just like Hafu raids going. We had our driver who was driving like a bat out of hell, and <laughs> with this big man of twelve people just driving like a maniac through the streets of Chicago. And anyways, whenever this big PvP tournament started. Um, it was a end up being a seven hour event from about seven p.m. and I was there to like two two a.m. because I wanted to see who won and I and I participated in it and because I was sleep deprived I ended up only winning like three of, of my eight matches and it was it was frustrating especially because I participated in a regional earlier that day and I did so well um, yeah. and I just I just completely bombed and. I by the end of it, I was just burnt out, and that was really the beginning of the end when it comes to me, me, me playing. That was just how much of it is kind of like I had this great team, I thought, and I just couldn't win anything. It, it was just frustrating. But yeah, seven uh, hour event. I think we yeah, need to but, hold another podcast for <laughs> <laughs> the uh, competitive side of Pokemon. Yeah, so. I mean, it was it was cool. I mean, everybody. So like, I'm a part of like the I guess it's basically a defunct secret 100 million xp group it's not really secret anymore but like whenever 100 million xp was a huge deal i mean it had it had everybody there simply moxie king b brian, uh, brian it had a hazard um it had oh man it was basically it had uh fleece king you know all those folks were there and i remember we we all got a photo t- towards like the very beginning of it and i i, I just remember well Hawking home, or we'll hawking back to our hotel at like two a.m. in the streets of Chicago, just absolutely brain dead. <laughs> so like, you should have, you should have took an after photo. <laughs> yeah, <and prepared laughs> like I look like strung out, have have like my eyes like these little hud <laughs> red from all this, and you know you just I I, I I don't know if you've ever seen like Brick hanging out the Ted dead with Nicholas Cage. Well, in that in this movie, he just kind of like like he he he, he can't sleep. And you're just kind of walking through the streets of New York and just like almost like, like a zombie. Yeah, like almost like a zombie. And it's kind of how I felt like walking through the streets of Chicago at like 2 a.m. And it was, I mean, it was it, it was a good time. I, I, I enjoyed that time. It was just spending, being up for like 24 hours and being brain dead and getting your ass handed to you isn't exactly what I would call a good evening. But <laughs> yeah. it was still cool seeing everybody and all that. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bringing it back, I I can't really relate. I didn't watch any of the Pokemon Go. I turned it on just to see like how they had it set up. Watched like thirty yeah. seconds of it, and then yeah, pretty much all I watched was the TCG and the video game. Um, but yeah, they, you know, like we were saying, bringing it back as well. They uh, did a good job getting it out there. The only complaint I have is that we didn't see more. Which, you know, granted, they can't have, like, hundreds of streams going. But essentially for all the events, they just had a feature table. So, like, whoever was doing good or whoever they thought might have the best chance 
they like got to play on the feature table and that's the one that was like streamed and then comment yep. commentated on. So, and you got to see that whole match, which was really cool, but you know, I mean, I, I yeah. think it's amazing where, where it's came from that. That was one of the first mega tournaments that I remember seeing with, with Pokemon go. And it was at this bar, this bar that was probably shouldn't have fit a hundred people. Well, there was like 250 people just sweating it out. Shoulder to shoulder, well before COVID restrictions. Oh my God, people were literally like, you know, uh, excuse me, like, oops, oops, ooh, okay, oh, you know, oops, okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and then you were literally shouting, "King Pitbull Rick," or "Please <laughs> King Simply Boxy." Hey, and you're just. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it smelled great too, with everyone staying up for like 20 plus hours. Everybody. You know, sipping on their bangs, their reins, whatever, <laughs> whatever caffeine they, they were sipping on then. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can I only I, imagine. I, I, mm. <laughs> Let me say before, it was it was definitely, I mean, looking back, it was fun. Like, it was fun reflecting back to it, but it was, it was tortuous being involved with that and just being brain dead. I think I had two Red Bulls, and, like, I don't drink. I, I obviously, I've been, like... Now I was in a bar and I was sober the whole time, but it was just like, oh my god! Like this, that, that situation. Whenever I did used to drink, I would have been shit faced by the time two a.m. happened because yeah. I just wanted to get out of there. I wasn't playing. Uh, here's my Charizard. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> but yeah, uh, all right. Yeah, they <laughs> they just need to show more. And yeah, I I think Pokemon tournament might be phasing out here soon, but yeah. Yeah, just show us more. It like I said in the beginning, it got me looking into the TCG again. I might be uh, you know, doing some videos on that. But yeah. It's a uh, it's a cool thing. Really excited for what's coming in the next couple years for show. Yep. Uh this is a great time to be in the hobby and great time to be it's still buyers market people. Yeah. So. All right. Well, with that, I guess we should hop into the questions. We're making pretty good time, not mm -hmm. overdoing it. I like it. What you got for a question? All right. Do you have one to go first? Um, yeah, I guess. With my question, because my question, I think, was going to lead into our quote unquote game. So, okay. Yeah. So mine was, uh, you know, I tend to have a question that's branched off our main topic. So I feel like when we go through the main topic, it kind of touches on parts of it. Mm -hmm. But my question was going to be, you know, have you ever got into the TCG or video games like on the competitive side? Will, you know, like me watching these events got me back into it and it finally made me do the jump to buy the Switch um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like, have you thought about doing that? How would Pokemon like capture your interest to like get involved with those or like, what would it take? So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I did Pokemon Go and I've considered going back to it. I still, there's still a lot of people within the community, uh, that still play and I have a friend that plays that's pretty into it, and I don't know. I I think a lot of better things would have to 
I mean, things are pretty, pretty calm for me in my life, but like, I'm also looking forward to potentially changing careers, um, like going back to school. So it's like, that's kind of where my mind's at. Uh, a part of me is not letting myself kind of get too involved because I'm trying to focus on my own personal self in the future. Um, now, you know, playing Pokemon, I feel like, like my, I mentioned before, my main thing is, is the gyms. I tell I, I get competitive. I get intense sometimes with that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, I feel I, like I, I, I have the question cause I feel like you would enjoy like the handheld games. Like if yeah. you, if you got into like, like breeding Pokemon, shiny hunting in the games, it's a little more strenuous than Pokemon go, but like, it's, yeah. it's really fun to like, you know, Pokemon Go, you kind of just have to go play to build a team. You know, you yeah. don't really have any control over IVs. Like, mm-hmm. in the Pokemon handheld games, you can, like, craft what you want. Like, it takes a long time where, like, one Pokemon might take, you know, days. Um, especially breeding could take weeks to breed the perfect Pokemon that you want. Like, you can change the natures and pass on traits from the parents. And it's just so in-depth. And I think, like, you specifically would really like it if you got into it, but it's kind of a big jump to like get into it. So I was kind of yeah. curious, like how people could do that. Cause I feel like the people who play those games have been playing like competitively for a while. I started with diamond and pearl myself when I got back into the hobby. Those were the next games that came out, the OG diamond and pearl. And, uh, yeah, me and like, five six of my other friends all got it and we made teams and we'd battle after school at the park and play ultimate frisbee (laughs) so like that was like what got me into it and uh kind of stuck with me but i don't know what it would take to get new people into that you know yeah i I mean my whole thing is so i love playing retro games uh for me, one of the easiest thing is handheld games, but that I, I enjoy playing. And my biggest thing is I feel like I should be productive on my days on the time that I have available for free, either physically productive or mentally productive. So a lot of times I found it difficult to be guilt-free playing games. Um, it, as it gets colder and it gets winter, that's when I'm least guilt-free, and I can just see my, I can just like spend days playing a game. Like, oh, there's ten inches of snow on the ground. Okay, I guess I'm just staying and I'm just gonna play play games all day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's but, me too. Like, I go hard either way. Like, yeah, I really I, have to limit myself on what I pick up or start playing because yeah, I go way too hard. <laughs> Pokemon Go and yeah. everything. Yeah. And I mean, I guess I still play the Pokemon Go, and I know that's kind of reaching. I mean, I'm, I'm don't think I'll ever fully quit, obviously. And there's still gyms that are popping up locally to, that I can get gold on. And I mean, with I don't even bother with a lot of the research quests hardly. I just play the game, you know. I don't even bother doing the the quest anymore because I, I really don't care. Like I've I've reached everything I need to in, in the game, and I'm just kind of waiting for the next level increase. So, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's fun. Me and uh, one of my other friends is gonna play Scarlet and Violet pretty heavily. 
Like, all I want to do on Sword and Shield is, like, try to complete the Pokédex. Um, and then just catch the unique variants on Arceus. Um, but, yeah, I really want to get back into Scarlet and Violet, and I think I'll be playing those quite a bit, for sure. Yeah, I'm, I played Arceus quite a bit. Uh, I didn't quite beat the game. I was like, that's just how it is with me. I can go hard and then just lose interest, and that's essentially what happened. I it was a great game. I got like probably eighty percent done. I yeah. almost beat the, the, the like the whole game, and I was just saying, yeah, you know, like I just kind of like I played it. I loved it. Uh, didn't quite see the ending how I could, and yeah, I just I wasn't. I don't know. It, it was it was a great game, and but I'm I'm excited to play this game. And will I beat it fully? I don't know, but I'll, I'll definitely play it one hundred percent. Yeah, Pokemon games for me, I mean, they don't even start until you beat the game because <laughs> I'm yeah. just in it for the post-game stuff. But Yeah, I yeah. I never bothered 100%ing things because I, I just lose interest. I would get to like 99% and just, eh, I'm good enough. It's I've lost interest and let's spend my time doing something else. Yeah. Well, what you got for a question? Okay, so my question is... What are you buying when you finally get your code for a special delivery Charizard? Well, if I get a code, I still haven't got one. Which Neither have I. <laughs> I do think everyone who signed up should get a code based on like how many are already out there and how much well, longer we have left. Then you get the memo. It's all going to the, uh, to the true entrepreneurs that have... 500 bot accounts and they have 60 of those damn cards already yeah but, a lot of a lot of people on facebook you know flaunting 50 plus of them so i thought pokemon was kind of cracking down on that but something slipped through the cracks yeah but yeah right when this was announced i actually looked and it was really close to when it was announced but they had these character artworks and they released, like, T-shirts and hoodies and even, like, prints on canvas. It was, like, each one of the kind of, like, key characters. I think they had red, blue, in, and a couple others. Um, really cool T-shirts. And it had, like, the character's main Pokemon behind them. Um, yeah, I really need to up my shirt game here soon. So I was going to look at that, but... If you look at a lot of stuff on there, it's a lot of things are sold out still, and I'm sure they're trying to keep up on the stock. I do see now that I'm looking, they have Silver Tempest um, booster box and mm. Pokemon Center Elite Trainer box on there. Mm, I'm I'm checking out this Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet double pack. Ooh, that, that looks nice. Yeah, right now, as of speaking these words, you can pre-order the Silver Tempest Booster Box for 143 bucks. You can also um, pre-order the Pokemon Center Elite Trainer Box for Silver Tempest for $49.99. I'm kind of disappointed. They don't have any. So for the uh, Arceus game, they had that special promotion with the pre-order with the uh, Arceus plushie. I regret not getting that. Um, I thought about it and I was like, eh, I don't know. I, I for some reason I, I just didn't. I I should have. But uh, anyways, um, yeah. There's they don't have like a special like 
with this double pack, like a Coridon or a Maridon plushie or anything like that, or even like a promo. Mm-hmm. And like an, and then uh, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, there's nothing really that stands out like that. I mean, if I got a code, I'd probably buy just some packs or those T-shirts if they came back in. Um, I'm not sure if like you could use the code to pre-order. I probably wouldn't risk it, like pre-order Silver Tempest and get get it in later. <laughs> I'd probably buy something that I could get shipped right away. But uh, one thing I do want to note, though, this kind of goes back to our news segment. That's the uh, Pokemon Center dogs. Elite Trainer box has some uh, Lugia sleeves as well as Vulpix sleeves. Ooh. So yeah, they're hey. kind of interesting there. They they have the Vulpix sleeves, of course, which we could expect, but they have Lugia sleeves in the Elite Trainer box as well. So I think this is the first time where we have two types of sleeves. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I just found what I would get. I would get this RCS plush, I think. <laughs> Yeah, one hundred percent. It looks kind of derpy, though. <laughs> I would, I would look at the plushies for sure, and then that's usually that's usually where my go-to is. I don't even have a majority of them out. I got, I got my Halloween Piplup plushie with the uh, donut. That's like the only one I actually got out. But the main reason why that is is because I have a long hair cat, and I swear to God, whenever I was moving out of my last place, there was hair everywhere in every nook and cranny. So yeah, but I don't I don't really want a lot of these plushies out because his hair once it gets at, once it gets on something it just sticks to it. Um, ooh, but there's also the new gen starter plushies. I think I might have to get this Frigatito because that is a cat. <laughs> I do like these small plushies. Like they have mini plushies that are like. Real small. I got the unknown N and the P for my initials, but they have okay. They have a lot of these little plushies, like just little six-inch plushies of mm-hmm. a lot of Pokemon. They might have almost every Pokemon now because, I mean, they're just coming out with these, like, every time there's a release on Pokemon Center, they throw up, like, five to ten of these mini plushies, and there's so many of them now. I wouldn't be surprised if they're 80% through like the national Pokédex for these little things. Yeah, like these little cutie ones or or whatever they're called. Uh, uh sitting cuties. Plushies. Yeah, sitting cuties and then there's the oh there's the Safari Pikachu plush only only 20 bucks. Yeah. yeah, the the plush the plushies is where I go. Um usually uh it's always cool. I it would be kind of neat to have all the Pokémon but then just like imagine the room with that. Yeah, if I had like room and like lots of money each one is like 10 bucks <laughs> i just buy all the all the little ones and just fill it right up <laughs> yeah i mean so, some of these they have these character shirts i mean you're looking at like ten thousand bucks but <laughs> worth it <laughs> yeah i mean the cool thing is I mean, with some of these pokemon not all but you can almost always find a buyer for some of these too you might not you might not I mean, don't don't intend to make money or anything, but yeah. you could probably find somebody like maybe a dollar or two cheaper. Looks like they do still but, have uh, the shirts I was looking for. They have the N light blue relax fit crew neck, and it's got a Reshiram on it. It's got mm. N and Reshiram, so I'd buy that for sure. That's twenty four bucks. That'd be it right there. They have the uh, 
the Terry Crew neck shirts, but those are like fifty bucks. Terry Crews or Terry Terry Crew neck. <laughs> <Terry Krunek, laughs> I'm sure Terry could rip through one of these, but you know, it's got the same design. It's a nice long sleeve and like high quality, but yeah, those are fifty bucks. Oh, they have this. Uh, they have this. It's it doesn't look like much, but it's this uh, Pikachu and Friends Pokemon Nature. It's like this. It's the shirt. And it looks like it's literally a bunch of shrooms on it. <laughs> it's like all the shroom Pokemon. You got Parasect. You got Shroomish. You got uh, what's the ev- evolution of Shroomish? It's um, or no, it's not not Breloom. It's not, it, yeah, it's not Breloom. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you got Bioplume. And then I, I forget what the other. It, I don't know. It's like, yeah, brah. They they knew what they were doing. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like. Like, you can't tell me the way this design that they don't know what's going on here with all these shrooms. <laughs> like, oh, it's just being festive in nature. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I'm, yeah but. but, yeah, I guess uh, we can move on to the last section of the podcast. We're changing up the game once again. <sighs> Calling this yeah. one, How Low Can You Go? Yeah, so this is kind of a continuation from the pre- previous episode. Uh, Nathan and I have been interactive or interacting with um, the update of the special delivery Charizard, and I kind of thought it was a hot take. I didn't think it would. I thought it might get under fifty, um, but I also thought it. We still didn't know a lot of information. Um, yeah. But since then, we are seeing a lot of these so-called entrepreneurs, quote-unquote, uh, with all these special delivery Charizards. So obviously, they use probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of bots to accumulate that many. Um, but in terms of sold, I think you can buy the code for as little as 55 bucks. So if that's the case, you can also... Um, they just earn like 20, 25 bucks. So mm-hmm. you're basically looking at like 80, 70, 80 now they're going for, and we're not even 50% through this, this rollout. Um, I think under 50 is almost a certainty. Um, yeah. So we're trying to guess how low it can go for, for the special livery Charizard. Should we yeah. have it where if it goes below, I mean, it has to be below for like a solid week before we determine it, but uh, like, what's going to be your mark, your your $10 range? I think we're going to see it between 40 and 50 I think it could even potentially go lower. But I am going to say between 40 and 50 That's going to be my guess is where we're going to see it. But it might. So I know this is this is a better artwork. It's a, it has a better story. Um, well, I guess the artwork is kind of debatable but the charizard illustrator that they had released a few years back that card a lot of people are speculating is going to go through the roof and you know it might not but some people got it at like five bucks and like it might get up to like 40 or 50 in which case you made you know a hell of a return on it but yeah you know but i think worst case scenario or best case scenario depending on what your perspective is you see it fall to that level Mm-hmm. That that that's your that's the worst case scenario for this car in terms of where it's gonna bottom out at. So you're looking at like twenty bucks. Um, Say I don't even between, know between twenty and thirty, but I don't even know where mine would be. I was 
I was going to say 40 to 50 because I think it will break the 50, but I think at 50, like so many people are going to scoop them up. Yep, because this card, so one thing to consider when looking at potential uh, good cards to pick up, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of, this is a card that a lot of people are going to be going after, right? But a lot of people kind of don't realize that, don't think about tr- like trying to find the card that's going to go 50 to 100. Think about the card that might be five, ten dollars or whatever that can go from ten dollars to thirty or forty dollars. Mm-hmm. That's a much easier, easier gain to see happening and very realistic in a lot of situations. Well, this is one of those cards where if it goes down to like say thirty or forty, I would swoop up because I think eventually it's going to get back up to a hundred, even with how many are out there. Seal, yeah. I should say. It's like Seal. a, it's like a no-brainer, like fifty to sixty dollar card. But yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be hovering a little above that. For the low point, though, I guess I'll say 30 to 40, just because you have 40 to 50. I think it's going to go pretty oh, low. You did, did you just prices right me? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have a $10 range, it's kind of yeah. hard. But Well, I mean, I, I think it could go. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll say 40 say, to 50, but I, like, I think... It's possible it's between 20 and 30. Basically, the cost of the car, just like how special delivery Pikachu was for the first couple weeks or month or whatever after it released, when nobody really thought about it, and it was basically the equivalent of buying it from the, like, buying the 20, 25, whatever you needed to, to be able to buy it, and I think that is the low blow that it, it, it could go, um, but I don't know if we're going to see that in 12 weeks. I think that's it's possible, but I think I think I'll go with 40 to 50, but I want there to be a caveat that I believe it could go between 20 and 30. If it goes lower, you're out. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm the one that said I was going to go below 50 last episode. You're just saying, just saying, and it's definitely cruising towards that. Um, yeah, I still believe that it'll be worth more then the Bidoof at some point, which was, you know, last episode's discussion. Yeah. But, you know, it was open-ended, you know, if it's going to be this year, if it's going to be 10 years, I just said, you know, Charizard will outshine in the long term, no matter how long it is. But, yeah, I do think this one still has some more dipping to go. I mean, it seems like... The codes are getting less and less, but I think that's just because a lot of people got them and the excitement's worn off. So, oh, not Jesus, a lot have of. You taken... I'm sorry. What's go, that? go ahead. Have it's you all... taken a look at what the special delivery Charizard's going for, or a Bidoof? They it was around two two twenty five. It's being pushed to two fifty to three hundred now. Huh. That's yeah, interesting. I uh, that might be the buy I should make when we go to KCCon. <laughs> Because I'm yeah. sure I can find one for like I'm sure I can get one for two two twenty in KCCon. Hopefully it's still three weeks away. Jesus, I'm getting a little worried now. I should have got when it was one forty. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just interesting. Like I think Charizard will shine, but it's got a little more to go. I don't think it can possibly get below thirty dollars, in my opinion. Because, you know, you're talking like $20 in merchandise, so you're valuing the card at like $10. So, yeah, that is like the low of all lows, in my opinion, is 30 Realistically, I think it's more 40 because you're essentially valuing the card as 20 which is like 
normal price for like cheap in promos that are decent Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the cheap, cheap in promos are five bucks, but you know, it's a Charizard for like a Charizard that's printed even as much as like the ancient Mew. Like that could easily be a $20 Charizard card. If we knew it was printed as much as the ancient Mew. Yeah. So that's why I'm leaning more towards like 40 to 50 in my opinion. Um, well, even I would say even the ancient Mew, I think, uh, in due time, it might be a, it might be a little bit, but I think sealed. Don't be surprised in the next ten or so years you see the sealed ancient Mew go over hundred dollars. That's that, I know you said something a little bit different, but that's my opinion on it. But maybe I'm too biased because as as we stated, that is one of my favorite cards of all time. But I I just think it's possible because I I just know during the pandemic uh, it was like you can get like ten or so fifteen sealed now it's double that, um, and I think we're seeing an accelerated rate of breaking these these cards out. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, but, everyone wants one, and you know even if special every Charizard was printed to oblivion, everyone would want one because of the story and mm-hmm. all that, but. Yeah, I think I think thirty will be impossible to touch just because you're valuing the card at ten dollars and realistically like forty. When you get down to forty, I mean you're valuing the card at twenty bucks and that is a price point where people will just be scooping them up just because. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna no. really be watching and if they dip below fifty, I'm gonna buy a couple of them. But I mean yeah. if they keep going I'm just going to, every time it drops by a couple bucks, I'm going to buy one probably. Just kind of cost average. Honestly, I think one of your best moments to buy would be once it hits that final week to a couple weeks after or so. I, I, I think, you know, there's there's other variables to consider. Like maybe people, there'd be like a rush to get it if they didn't get a code. Um, so it might be even a few weeks after that. But you'll, within it within a month or two of its final week rollout of these codes, I think you'll see it bottom out. Um, and that's when you would be the good time to buy. And that's when it could be potentially 30 and under. And I, I think it is possible for it to go below 30, but I'm not going to bet on it. Yeah. I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. Cause people, mm-hmm. it's who... going to quickly recover. It's going to quickly recover 100% and we're approaching Christmas. Well, people who don't have a code now, I think they're already starting to like sweat it because I mean this is this goes on for so long that it's essentially you know old news now already. We have yeah. the Charizard Premium Collection coming out, yeah. So that's going to drive it down even farther. But also, people are going to stop hearing about people getting their codes because it's old news. It's not worth posting about anymore. And people are going to wonder, like, well, I still don't have my code. So I think, you know, the panic for people who didn't get a code will be any day now, maybe right now. And that is going to be the bottom. So we might be in the bottom right now. <laughs> but well, I think we're, it's we're got not a little even, more to go. But I mean, we're not technically quite even halfway through this rollout, though, is, is the thing. Um, well, everything you said is definitely plausible. I don't think you're going to see people getting antsy just yet because there's still a lot of time left. I think as it approaches week 9, 10, 
11, you might start seeing that. It maybe. Um, I don't know. It's just I, I you're definitely going to see it bottom out. I think it's going to be a little bit different than what we're used to for, say, the set releases, how, you know, wait three months or so to buy raw for certain, like, of the chase cars from a set that you might want for, for the prices to kind of dip a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think this car is going to behave a little bit differently than that, and it's really, really hard to gauge how it's going to perform when it comes to guessing what it's going to bottom out at. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest thing I go off of is just valuing the card. You know, whatever the value is, minus 20 bucks, like, that's the value because you have to buy it for $20 worth of product. So, yeah, I, I I see it being a $20 card if the price to buy one is 40 And, yeah, I think that's the point where people just buy them just because. But even if they already have one. So, but yeah, yeah no, I guess I would we should have... Yeah, to say I would just buy them sealed. Don't even open them because everybody's going to be sitting this in to, to be graded. Keep them sealed and a very well uh, heather controlled environment, and just keep them like that. And yeah. any of them you get graded, I mean, you'll be able to see if it's worth getting graded or not pretty easily. If there's a print line, nope, just keep it sealed. Where it's going to hold more value that way. Yeah, but, I, w- I would keep it sealed if it had a defect like that, but. I'm not big on those, keeping them sealed in the little plastic. It's actually better to, like, put it in a sleeve and the uh, card saver protection-wise because it doesn't slide around. But yeah, yeah, there's the something plastic. noticeable, though, then, yeah. Yeah, and I say that's why I never open my Arceus cards, the Japanese promos, because every single one had a fat hit line on it. Yeah. Which apparently was common with it, with those promos, which is unfortunate. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, we uh, cranked out an hour and forty minutes or so. So, uh, guess we'll call it there. We did kind of meet up, and we have a long list of topics that we're going to be touching on, and uh, we'll be cranking out some episodes in the next year. Yep, but, we got like over fifty top or not fifty topics. Well, it's like thirty, I think, that we have without even. Any any special news dropping? That's just like what we have planned out. So, yeah, we should add in the uh, competitive nature of Pokemon, or you know, differences in Pokemon avenues like the TCG, Game Boy games, Go battling, something something like that. I feel like that could be explored as a topic. You know what? I think it'd be great if we could potentially find somebody that's into the um, Game Boy game competitively because. Or even you have an interview with somebody with uh, maybe even somebody involved in Pokemon Go or TCG or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Well, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next one. Yep. Next one, we're going to be gearing up for KCCon, getting pretty stoked. Yeah, for sure. All right. See (laughs) you. Peace.